The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Matthew chapter 7 for our scripture reading this morning. Matthew chapter number 7. Uh, for our scripture reading, we're going to read verses 13 down through verse number 20. Stand with me if you're physically able as we read uh, the Word of God together this morning. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 7, beginning in verse number 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You should know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, whereby by their fruits ye shall know them. The message this morning is going to be a little bit more sober in nature. A couple of weeks ago, I came across some studies, and it just started to challenge my own thinking and my own heart a little bit, and I thought I would take the opportunity this morning and share some of those studies with you, as well as speak uh, to the issue at hand. In Matthew chapter number 7 and verse number 20, the Bible says, by their fruits ye shall know them. The theme for our sermon this morning is simply this, while good works are not the means to salvation, so let me clarify that for a moment, good works is not what makes you saved. That's what that means. We do not get to heaven because of our good works. We don't become saved by our good works. We don't become Christians by our good works. The Bible tells us in many passages throughout the New Testament that it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. Uh, The Bible tells us in Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Good works are not the means of to salvation. So if you're here today and you think, well, I'm a Christian because I do good works. I'm saved. I'm born again because my good works outweigh my bad works. I'm on my way to heaven because I've been baptized. I, I do lots of good moral things. I, I want to remind you, based on what the scriptures say, that good works are not the means or the way to salvation. But, and this is what we're going to focus on here today, Good works are the marks of salvation. Matthew chapter number 7, verse 20. By their fruits ye shall know them. I want to preach a sobering message this morning simply entitled, Unsaved Christians. Unsaved Christians, and I use air quotes on purpose. You say, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor? Unsaved Christians? Are there such things? Yes. Let me take a moment and explain what I'm talking about. 
There is a group in evangelicalism known as the Barna Group. Uh, George Barna and his team at the organization where he works uh, travels the country and does surveys in thousands and thousands of churches all around the country. Of every state, uh, different uh, denominations, takes the opportunity and does these surveys. Recently, a study came to light, and uh, it was so kind of perplexing that they went back and they did it again, and they found the statistics to still be true, and this is what they found. Research, George Barna has discovered the disturbing fact that half of all adults who attend Protestant churches on a typical Sunday morning are not Christian. He also points out that people who call themselves Christians but are not born again are a group that constitutes a majority of churchgoers. Now, I'm going to elaborate about this in a moment, but what his group discovered is that in our churches in America today, there are people sitting in the chairs, sitting in the pews, singing the songs, partaking in the religiosity of the services. They are cultural Christians, but they are not saved. You say, what does that mean, cultural Christians? A cultural Christian is a person who may or may not attend church. So these can be people who call themselves Christians, but they don't go to church. Or they can be people who do attend church on a fairly regular basis. And, and the reason they would refer to themselves as Christians is due to their family background. In many cases, these people, these cultural Christians, grew up in a Christian family. Maybe they went to Sunday school as a kid possibly even Christian school, and so there was a lot of family dynamics, and they would call themselves Christians um, because of their personal experience. Maybe they went to a crusade, or maybe they went to some sort of worship environment, and they felt an emotional experience at that environment, and it made them feel good, and, and from that point, they would ha- because of that experience, they would say, I'm a Christian. Uh, sometimes because of the social environment that they find themselves in, maybe because of where they work. There are a lot of Christians, or for some folks down in the South, because a lot of people claim Christianity, there's almost a cultural pressure to kind of fit into Christianity. We don't experience that as much here on the West Coast, uh, here in California, but in some places there is a cultural, social pressure to kind of lean into Judeo-Christian values. And so these people would call themselves Christians, but they are nothing more than cultural Christians. They, they simply have a label, they have a title, but they have never been born again. They've never experienced the saving knowledge of Christ. They've not experienced what I refer to as saving grace that has transformed their values, their motives, their priorities, that has not transformed them from the inside out. They are simply cultural Christians. I would call them this, unsaved Christians. You say, does that actually exist? As we see by Barna, it does. 
Barna's findings are similar to those reported by Bill Bright. Now, you might not have heard of Bill Bright, but maybe you've heard of the organization he runs, Campus Crusade for Christ. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of that. Uh, Several of you have heard about Campus Crusade for Christ. They did their own studies in response to this, and here's what they found. According to Bright's studies, their surveys suggest that over 50% of the people in church here in the United States every Sunday are not sure of their salvation. Over 50%. Barna says that many who attend Protestant churches now are numb to the gospel. That is to say, they mentally accept correct knowledge about Christ, but they've never personally had a heart posture of faith that gets placed on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone to be their Savior. They simply are going through religious motions. They have partaken in a particular religious ceremony or ritual. They would call themselves Christians, but the posture of their heart has never been radically transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) They've never been saved. They've never been born again. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching that here? This is a good church. You preach the Bible. We go book by book, verse by verse, because if the statistics are true, then we have individuals in this room right now who are good people, nice people, moral people, who are nothing more than cultural Christians, unsaved Christians, that got swept into a cultural environment You got swept into something because of emotion. Maybe you were born into a family that kind of did all this religious church stuff. But you never personally have received Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's never been a heart posture of faith and dependence upon Jesus Christ as your Savior. In October of 2003... In addition to not knowing their eternal destiny, Barna also revealed that the majority of professing born-again Christians hold to inconsistent beliefs about how people even get to heaven. That is, they polled churches and found that in the average church, the average church had very differing views about how, to even, how even one goes to heaven. And this is in a singular church. They'd talk to one person, and one person would say, well, you just got to try to be really good. You know, you, you got to pray. You got to get baptized. And even within a singular congregation, there were multiple perspectives about what it even means to be saved, to know for sure you're on your way to heaven. It was the great evangelist Billy Graham. How many of you have heard Billy Graham before? Are you familiar with Billy Graham? majority of us, maybe. Uh, If we grew up in the church world, we'd be familiar with Billy Graham. Billy Graham was approached on one occasion, and he was asked why the church in America was struggling so much. Basically, it seemed like divorce rates were same in the church as they are in the world. Addiction rates are as high in the church as they often are in the world. From his perspective, many of the values that the world has, the church has as well. Whether it be greed or materialism, pride or gossip, 
there seemed to be very little difference statistically between the world and the modern American church. He said their values are like the values of the world. They're motivated by the same thing that motivates their unsaved co-workers. They prioritize the same things that their unsaved relatives, unbelieving relatives. There was very little difference. And so they asked Billy Graham why that is the case. And here's what he was quoted as saying. He said... I believe that the greatest mission field in our country today, so he's speaking about America specifically, the greatest mission field today is in our local churches. He says the people who need the gospel are often the very ones sitting in our church pews. Billy Graham. Statistically, the testimony of spiritual leaders, even in my own personal experience. I've been out in our community. I've talked to different folks. And over time, I might ask them, hey, what's, what's kind of your background? What's your church background? And, and usually I'll hear something along the lines of, oh, yes, I, I, I'm a Christian. I go to such and such church. Or, or they'll say, I was baptized, you know, at such and such time. Or, man, I, I really do my best, you know, to live a good life. And I'll ask them, So if you were to die today, are you 100% sure heaven would be your home? Are you a born-again believer? And and oftentimes you'll get a a look of confusion on their face because they, they don't really know what you're talking about. And then they'll just go back and they'll say, oh, well, I go to this church. And I'm like, good, that's awesome. No, I don't, I got baptized, good. But according to the scriptures, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going into a garage makes you a car, And it's sad because I'll, I'll talk to these po- folks and I'll know the churches they go to and I think, man, these are good churches. And yet the people going to their churches don't even know if they're saved. And then it hit me. I wonder if that same thing happens at Ambassador. That we have people in the workplace, we have people from our church, attenders and members that go into the community and they're just cultural Christians unsaved Christians, culturally adapting to some of the religiosity of Christian values and going through some of the motions of Christian behavior, but never having been transformed from the inside out. The Bible says, wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Let's just keep reading through our passage here today as we go verse by verse through this, and I want to bring out a couple of thoughts this morning. Notice chapter number seven. We're going to keep reading. Notice verse 22 of our passage. Many will say to me in that day, this is the end times. Jesus is saying, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Notice verse 22. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, which brings us here to our first thought this morning, if you're taking notes in our Bible study, and that is this. Not everyone who knows about God is saved. 
Many will say, Lord, Lord, and I want to say to you today, not everyone who knows about God is saved. Not everyone who knows about God is born again. You say, I went to Sunday school. I know about Jesus. I prayed a prayer. I got baptized. None of those things are the way to eternal life, biblically speaking. Not everyone who knows about God is saved. Many will say, Lord, Lord, and God will say, I never knew you. That is a sobering reality. Let me give you my testimony for a moment. As some of you may know, uh, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad is a pastor. From the moment I was born, I was going to church. Uh, I sometimes will joke that I've been going to church since nine months before I was born. (laughs) Sometimes I'll joke about the fact that I had a drug problem when I was younger. I was drugged to church on Sunday morning. (laughs) I was drugged to church on Sunday nights. Because I was a pastor, I got drugged to church in the middle of the week. I was constantly being drugged. I mean, that's, that's my story. Sunday school, knowing about Jesus, hearing the Bible stories. And I remember as a kid, about five or six years old, I was sitting in a Sunday school class and, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to pray a prayer and ask Jesus into my heart. And so I did. Five years old, I, prayed a, I went through this little ritual. I prayed a prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. <laughs> And I became a Christian. Several years went by. My dad's pastoring at the time. Many of you had known, known me during this time. I was a teenager. I was going to summer camp. And at this particular summer camp, the preacher began to preach about knowing for sure you're saved And he said, I'm not talking about have you prayed a prayer. I'm not talking about if you're a good kid. I'm not talking about if you've been baptized. I've been baptized at this point. He said, have you personally placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone to be your Savior? Has the posture of your heart changed? Have you been transformed from the inside out? I remember as I was sitting there, I fell under such intense conviction because I knew in the depths of my heart that I was not saved. You say, but you prayed a prayer. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to pray a prayer and that, like, that, like it's some little secret ritual that if you know the secret prayer, you get to go into heaven. Prayer, saying a certain prayer doesn't get you to heaven. You say, but you, your, your dad was a pastor. They were Christians. Surely you got in. You got a free pass, right? It's not how you get to heaven. It's not how you become saved. And I remember as I sat there, and at the end of the service, they said, hey, anybody who would like to come and be saved, come. You know what I did? I kept sitting. <laughs> I was, man, I wanted nothing to do with that. I just, it scared me to death. I was so nervous. I was, there was, it was a lot of pride, to be quite honest. As I look back on it, I didn't want anybody to know I wasn't a Christian. 
What would people think of me? And literally the next day I thought, man, I started to dread that week at camp because I knew I was going to have to go listen to some service and I knew that I was going to just feel like, man, I've not made this decision. This is, and I was, I was wrestling in my soul over this thing because I knew I wasn't saved. Man, I, I got through every night and it was just, it was like this intense spiritual battle because I'm like, I, I, I don't want to, I'm having fun at camp, I'm going swimming, I'm, I'm fishing, I'm having a great time. You know, I don't want to mess this up with some, you know, religious thing. And anyways, what's it matter? Everybody thinks I'm saved anyways. <laughs> I, can keep, I can keep this going on. I actually got through that whole week of camp. Can you believe it? I made it through without getting saved. And I held on. <laughs> After all, everybody thought I was anyways, right? As long as people think you are, that's kind of what matters. It wasn't until about a week later, man, I just, I literally got to a place I wasn't able to sleep over this thing. I mean, it was just getting so, the Holy Spirit was just wrecking my heart. And finally, I came to a place where I surrendered. So God, I realize this thing's not about saying a prayer. This is about casting my utter dependence upon you for salvation. Letting go of anything else that I would try to lean on to be saved. That you and your finished work on the cross and through your death, burial, and resurrection, that's my hope. And I got saved. And I got baptized again because the first one doesn't really count if you're not saved in the first place. Just getting wet, right? <laughs> you see, it's really easy. I was a person who knew about God. In fact, I, I could have I I told, told, told other people how to get saved. I had all the intellectual knowledge. I had all the information. I knew how to convey the knowledge. But just knowing about God and knowing the right words is not the same as being a believer. A.W. Tozer said it this way, there is a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. You see, when you truly know God, he gives you the energy to serve him. When you truly know God, he gives you the boldness to share him. And when you really know God, he gives you contentment in him and him alone. This is one of the ways that you can know for yourself if you're saved. Because when the Spirit of God takes up residence in your soul, when you've been transformed from the inside out, I'm not talking about just saying a prayer. I'm not trying about, talking about just getting a little better. When the Holy Spirit of God has taken residence in your life, when you've been saved and the Spirit of God resides within you, He gives you energy and empowerment to serve Him, boldness to share Him, and contentment in Him. Even when other things are not going your way, there is a contentment and a peace and a joy because you have everything you actually need, and that is the person of Jesus. Jesus, and to you, he is enough. It is, a, it is a mark of someone who is authentically saved. Think about this for a moment. How many of you are familiar with uh, Judas, one of the disciples of Jesus? You know who I'm talking about? Judas. Some of us. Judas. It's the one who betrayed Jesus after following him for years. Literally a follower of Jesus, knew all about Jesus, could talk all about Jesus, but he was not saved. Think about this. 
right before Judas betrayed Christ, the Bible says he kissed him on the cheek. Think about it. Judas literally kissed the very door of heaven and never made it in. You see, you can know about God. You can get this close and not be saved. You say, but I, I go to church. I know about Jesus. We want to be careful that we're not just going through cultural Christianity. We just didn't get swept up in some cultural idea. Not everyone who knows about God is saved. But let's keep reading. Notice in verse number 22 and 23, many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, they knew about God. Have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils. And in thy name done many, many wonderful works. Here, here's what they're saying is, hey, if anybody's a Christian, we are. Look what we've done. We've done not just, it's not just that they did wonderful works. They did many wonderful works. These are people who were Sunday school teachers. These are people who led in their church. These are people who served as greeters. These are people who really did serve the community and fed the homeless and worked with the widows and gave money to the needy. They did many wonderful works and God's going to look at them and say, I never knew you. Depart from me. This is sobering. Because in our churches, we have lots of people who are doing wonderful works. They're good people. And my fear as your pastor is one day you'll stand before God and God will say, but I never knew you. You were a cultural Christian. You went through the, the religious to-dos, the religious motions of religiosity, but you never were actually saved. You never were transformed by the Spirit of God from the inside out. You were never made born again. Basically, what he's saying is in this passage, verse 22, this person saying, he's saying, look, I'm saved. Look, I've done this and I've done that and I've done those things, which leads me to my second thought this morning, and that is this. Not everyone who says they are a Christian is saved. Look at what I've done. I'm a Christian. If anybody's a Christian, it's me. Not everyone who knows about God is saved. Number two, not everyone who says they are a Christian are saved. Matthew chapter number 15, later on in the book of, in the gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter number 15, the Bible says this, these people, they honor me with their mouths and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You say, I know about God. I've talked about God, but let me ask you, where's your heart? Where's your heart? It, it challenges me to think that many of the kids who grew up in our Christian homes, we sent them to Christian school, made sure they went to Sunday school, and I think these are good things. But I think many teenagers, many kids who grew up in this, get swept into cultural Christianity without ever having personally been born again they've never been transformed by the spirit of god from the inside out 
they are not saved. And that's a scary thought. Because not everyone who says they are a Christian is saved. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, we did this, we did that, trying to give a case on why they're saved, and God will say, I never knew you. It would be such a sad thing for one of us to stand before God and God to look at us and say, but I never knew you. We did not have a relationship. You never surrendered and allowed the Spirit of God to take up residence in your life. You went through the motions of religiosity, but you've never been saved. Uh, My dad... Um, he grew up in a Christian home, went to church his entire life. He even went off to Bible college to become, to train to be a pastor. He graduated from Bible college, was engaged to my mom before he ever placed his faith in Christ. It wasn't until he was getting ready to go work at his first church that he fell under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and realized that he, though he had trained to be a pastor, though he had gone to Bible college, though he'd grown up in church, he had never been saved. There was never a heart dependence upon God. And what scares me is there's people in our church right now, there are people in this room, statistically speaking, and you're not saved. And I'm not saying that to try to cast judgment. I'm not saying that to make you to doubt your salvation. But you've been caught up in a cultural Christianity and you've never personally accepted Christ as your Savior. And one day you might stand before God and he'll say, I never knew you. You'll say, but I went to church and I did many wonderful works and I helped the needy and served the poor. And he'll say, but I never knew you. Not everyone who says they are a Christian is saved. Not everyone who knows about God is saved. Let's keep reading. Notice verse number 20. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Which leads us to our final thought this morning, and that is this. Everyone who is truly saved will show fruit of salvation. Everyone who is truly saved will show fruit of salvation. Let me give you this quote. It might be in your handout. While good works are not the root of salvation, good works don't make you saved. We talked about this at the beginning of the service. While good works are not the root of salvation, they surely are the fruit of salvation. When somebody is authentically saved and the Spirit of God has taken up residence in their life, it makes a difference. It changes them. And if it doesn't change you, it might not be there. You see, the fruit of the Spirit, that is love and joy and peace and long-suffering, and gentleness, and goodness, and faith, and meekness. The fruit of the Spirit is the marks of salvation. If you don't have joy in seasons of sorrow, if there are not joy when, when, when things are maybe not going your way, it might be a mark that the Spirit of God is not there. The Bible says it, the fruit is peace. 
And when circumstances and situations are not going your way, can you still experience peace? Because that is a mark of someone who authentically has the Spirit of God in their life. When maybe they don't have enough money and circumstances aren't going their way, there's still a level of peace. That is a mark of salvation. It's a mark that the Spirit of God resides within you. When there's an ability to love people who are being mean to you and angry to you and gossiping about you and yet you can love those people, that is a mark of your salvation. You say, well, I can love people when they're being loving to me. You don't need Jesus for that. I I can be at peace when everything's going my way. So can unsaved people. They don't need the spirit of Jesus for that. But some of the marks of Christianity is the fruit of the Spirit. And everyone who is truly saved will begin to demonstrate fruit. Titus chapter number 1 verse 16. I'm trying to use a lot of scripture because I want you to see this from God's word, not just take my opinion on it. The Bible says in Titus chapter 1, they profess that they know God. With their lips, with their words, they profess they know God. But in works, they deny him. Their motivations, their habits, their values, their worldviews, their beliefs, their priorities, they deny him. With their lips they say, yeah, Jesus, he's awesome. They'll wear Jesus' t-shirt, put a little fish on their bumper sticker, say a prayer before they eat. They'll profess that they know God, but in their works they deny him. Their talk talks and their walk talks, but their walk talks louder than their talk talks. Good works don't make us saved. They simply reveal that we are saved. James chapter number 2 verse 18. Let me give you some more scripture. Yeah, a man may say... This is a hypothetical question James throwing out there. You have faith, but I have works. All right? He says, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. That is how we're supposed to communicate our faith, not by simply the words we say, but the actions we live That is supposed to be what communicates, first and foremost, our faith. How do we handle our money? How do we prioritize our time? What's important to us? What do we value? What motivates us? These things are supposed to communicate our faith. And see, we live, in a, we live in a society today that just wants their words to prove their faith. And we see from the scriptures when somebody is authentically transformed, their behavior enforces their beliefs and reveals their faith. Are you saved? Imagine for a moment if you were on trial And the jury was trying to find out whether or not you were a Christian based only on your works, the things you do, your behaviors, your actions. Now, you and I understand this is not how it works, right? We understand that we're not saved by our works, all right? 
but for the sake of illustration, let's imagine you were on trial and they were trying to figure out, are you a Christian or not? And the only evidence they had was your actions. Based on James chapter number two, I will show thee my faith by my works. So here's my question to you. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? They got on your YouTube channel, your Facebook feed, followed you around. Would there be the evidence to prove you guilty as a believer? Why? Because by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone who knows about God is saved. Two, not everyone who says they are a Christian is saved. Lastly, everyone who is truly saved will show fruit of their salvation. These are the marks found in Matthew chapter number 7. As I'm wrapping this up, um, there's a church in the New Testament. It was called the Church at Corinth. And they really were struggling as a church. Not with hardship or difficulty. Like they were struggling with sin issues. There was a lot of sin in this church. So the Apostle Paul writes them not one time, but two times to address just, they, they really were, they were going in some unhealthy directions, some directions that weren't good for them, and it just, it was, it was causing a mess. And, and here's what the Apostle Paul finally says to them at the end of the book. He says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, and prove your own selves. He says, I'm not going to judge you. But you need to look at your own heart and ask yourself, am I saved? Because if you don't value what God values and you're not prioritizing what he prioritizes and you're not motivated by what motivates him, you've got to ask yourself, then does he dwell in you? Is he there? The best reason I can think of that you're not motivated by what motivates Christ and you're not, you don't value what the scriptures value and you don't prioritize what the word prioritizes in your life and the reason your life basically looks just like the unsaved people that you work with and the unbelievers that you go to school with, the best reason I could say that that's the case is because maybe the spirit of God doesn't dwell within you. You are a cultural Christian. You've been swept into something and so you've learned some of the outward behaviors of Christianity and religiosity, but your heart and soul has never been transformed. You're not saved. Maybe you like me. Maybe like my dad. Maybe like others in our church who have been through that and recognize, wait a second, I need to, I, this is, I've got to make this a personal decision for myself. Now, Believe me, my heart is not to get anybody to doubt their salvation. Not at all. I don't want, if, I'm not trying to get you to say, oh man, I'm not really saved. That's not my heart at all. But my heart is to ask you, have you just been swept up into something or has there been a time where you by faith placed your faith in Christ and Christ alone to be your savior? Is all your dependence upon him? Or are you looking to some lesser thing to make you better, to fix you, to change you. You've been saved. Salvation is not just a prayer. It is the posture of your heart toward Christ. Does the posture of your heart reveal the fruit of salvation? Now, as we end, 
what I don't want to have take place today is for somebody to sit here and think, hmm, I always thought that so-and-so wasn't saved. (laughs) Man, I'm glad they're hearing this sermon. I hope they're listening well. Because one time they cut me off in the parking lot when I was trying to leave church, and that was the moment I knew they weren't saved. So here's my point. The scriptures are very careful that this is not something we are supposed to put onto others. It is not my role to judge your salvation. It is not your role to judge somebody else's salvation. In fact, in Matthew chapter number 13, verse 24 through 30, Jesus Christ is so clear about this that he actually gives a story. He gives a parable about a farmer who sows some wheat. This wheat represents those who are Christians. But in the middle of the night, the enemy sowed some tares, some weeds. And the servants didn't know what to do, so they said, should we go through and try to find all the the enemy's weeds and pull them out? And Jesus says, no, don't worry about it. Let them all grow up together. And in the final day, I'll discern which were wheat and which were tares. It is not our job to be fruit inspectors. It is not you to judge your husband or to judge your spouse or kids to judge their parents or parents to judge their kids. But this is a message to individuals. If you start judging others, you will fall into pharisaicalism and legalism that will do a lot of damage to your own soul. That is not the point of this message. The message, the point is just for each of us to take a real honest look. Like the psalmist David said, where David said, search me, O God. Try me, know my heart, see my thoughts. He invited the spirit of God to reveal what was going on in his soul. And that's all we're doing. Asking you, Drawing you to say, hey, have you been saved? Is there the fruit of your salvation? And if the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit right now, like he did to mine many years ago when he started to say, gosh, you're not saved. Then get that right. Man, so you can experience the fruit of your salvation for your own good. If you just got swept up into something that you really, man, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone to be your Savior. Never recognized that you were a sinner in need of a Savior and repented of that sin and and found confidence in the finished work of Christ on your behalf. Then I want to encourage you to to accept that gift of salvation, to get saved. But if if you just kind of got wrapped up into this church thing, and now for years and decades, it's just kind of what you do now. But there has never been a personal decision of faith. I want to encourage you. Search your heart. Ask God to search your heart. Because I don't want Ambassador Baptist Church just to be another statistic. A church where some of the people are saved, but the majority of them probably aren't. And not for our sake, but for your sake. Without the Spirit of God, there is no hope of joy and peace and love. You're going to miss out without being saved. God has so much for you. And we want that for you. If you've not been saved, I want to beg you to consider it. What would keep you from placing your faith in Christ 
in Christ alone. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.